All right, everybody, welcome in. This is the latest episode of the 1796 Sports Podcast. We got uh, myself and Ryan, like always, and then we have Sidelines UGA with us tonight. NVF couldn't be here today, but we have Sidelines UGA. So, Sidelines, say what's up. What's going on, guys? Thank you again for having me on here. And uh, looking forward to another fun week in between the two teams. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on. So, Ryan, um, you know, it's Georgia week. What are your thoughts? Uh, we'll go ahead and get right into it. What are your thoughts leading into this game? Yeah, so before the season, I, I I wrote a blog about the ceiling and floor for this Tennessee team. And I said the floor would be rolling into the Georgia game at 7-3 and three and the East haven't been lost several weeks prior. And that's where we sit right now. But that doesn't mean that this game doesn't have any meaning. I mean – this game is always important. These teams don't like each other. And I expect the balls to have a bounce back performance. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I don't expect them to stack another shitty performance like they had last week. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get into predict score predictions later. Um, but yeah, obviously the balls coming off a very disappointing, terrible performance. You'd like to think they'd show some fight which I think they will, but sidelines, what's your initial read on this game? This is one that, you know, is always fun for our fan base. I mean, it's a typical SEC East matchup. It obviously means more than, uh, than usual. Um, you know, it, it's kind of tough compared to last year. Last year's buildup was so big between the fan bases. Twitter was going insane. Everyone was amped for it. College game day. And, you know, this year obviously didn't live up to the hypes, but it's still a huge game in implications of things going on in the future. Um, I do kind of wish, and I was pulling for Tennessee a little bit lighter in the year just to make this game a little bit bigger. And, um, you know, unfortunately other things happen, but it's still going to be a tough matchup. It's never easy going into Rocky Top. And uh, it's also a really good, you know, road trip for UGA fans to go up. We love this time of the year. Um, so it's a nice little getaway trip to Gatlinburg and make a whole weekend out of it. So it's one of those that we always love to mark on our calendars going up to Rocky Top. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a I think it'll be a crazy atmosphere. I mean, very rarely is Rocky Top. Neyland's always rocking. I mean, even at the Yukon game, it was electric. Everybody was excited. Um, you know, it might be a little dented because of the shit show that happened last week, but. I think it'll be – I think everybody – I think the players and the fans, I think everybody will get up for it. Um, yeah, but like Ryan said, though, sideline. so before the season, any honest Tennessee fan will tell you this. Before the season, we kind of um, – you know, Georgia, when you win two championships in a row, it's very hard to pick that game as a win for your team. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not oblivious to that. And before the season, I, I kind of thought, you know, if you handle business but you lose to Bama and Georgia, then that's – It's a good a great, year. Yeah, it's a great year. I mean, if you're going 10-2 and two and you're losing to two championship-caliber teams, I mean, you can't really feel bad about that. 
but I should have known better. I mean, you know, Tennessee typically stumbles to somebody they shouldn't. Uh, the Florida loss looks worse and worse every week. Oh, man. Yeah, that's – yeah. Like, and, and the thing is, is Missouri will probably beat them by 30, which just sucks. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't – the point is, at the beginning of the season, this is not a game that I thought we were going to win, and I, I don't think we're going to win now. I mean, especially not now. I mean, just being honest – uh, I think Georgia has a different caliber athlete. I think Georgia's rolling, which it somehow seems like you're playing better without Brock Bowers, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> but. That, that's the scariest thing, and I was telling another podcast this too. I think it was Ole Miss. And the, the scariest thing in the world right now is Georgia found out how to put up points without Brock, and now he's back. And that, that's a more terrifying thing than anything is now you're adding one of the top premier athletes in the, in the sport to a, to a roster that, like y'all said, is already filled. I mean, we, we got guys that we don't even use that were studs at other team. Like Dominic Lovett is, you know, and I talked with Normal Vol fan at the pre, uh, preseason, showcase, uh, preseason podcast that he's the guy that I, I was so excited to have. And, you know, he's – He's doing his part, but he's not a showmaker like he was at Mizzou or even Ra Ra Thomas at Mississippi State. Like, it's just there's so many targets that it, it makes it <laughs> almost impressive when you lose the best tight end in the country and arguably history, and it seems like nothing changes. So, yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that. So, what what is an underrated aspect of Georgia? That you know, everybody talks about Carson Beck. Everybody talks about Brock Bowers. Who do you think is an underrated playmaker for y'all that makes a difference in the game? It's got to be Dejon Edwards. I mean, our running backs too. At the beginning of the year, that was my biggest fear. We had we had unlimited injuries. We were just questionable. But Dejon Edwards was a guy, even in his recruiting process, that most Georgia fans didn't even really know or want. We were so high on getting Tank Tank Bigsby that went to uh, Auburn. And Dejon Edwards has just come in, done his thing all four years, and he's just never been that huge UGA running back name. But he's done his job, and he casually puts up stats. So that's the most underrated guy that, you know, goes under the radar for opposite teams until you play him. And you're like, damn, who's number 30? And why does he have 100 yards and two touchdowns? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? So Yeah, I feel like I that's – I definitely say him. Oh, for sure. I think that's a great answer because – when you look at like brand name SEC running backs, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's the first one that comes to mind, which is crazy oh. because Georgia's the best team in the nation. You'd think that like every player would would co- get constant media coverage, but you're right. I mean, he 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 doesn't get the, which I mean, granted, he doesn't have quite the pedigree of these guys, but he doesn't get the coverage that like Gurley got or Chubb got, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, did you have a question for sidelines? Yeah, I was going to ask, do you see anything from last year to this year that makes this year's Georgia passing attack as elite as it's been? I think the biggest thing when it comes to the passing attack is, you know, a lot of people had questions about Carson Beck, but even from his recruitment, he, he was a gunslinger from the start. And it kind of took that little bit of fold because Georgia's never been a pass-heavy guy. And I got this stat a little bit earlier from another podcast of this is the first year Georgia's been throwing the ball percentage-wise more than running the ball since Kirby's been the head coach at UGA. 
So it's, it's a very, it's still kind of new to us, but it, you could see it in the first few games of our season when they finally just took the handcuffs off Beck and let him just sling it. You know, the stats started going up, the scores started going up. And I think he really proved himself as that he could handle it when we went to Auburn, like, you know, the last fourth quarter, couple drives is when we were like, okay, you know what, this, this guy can control the offense and win us games. We don't have to, you know, Jake from him and, just hope we don't lose. You know, he, he can be the game manager. We can actually rely on Beck to win us games himself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like you alluded to. I, I never thought I'd see a Georgia team in my lifetime that passes the ball more than they run it. It's just – it doesn't seem like it's Georgia's oh, name, but I think yeah. Kirby Smart has realized that Carson Beck is good and he, he, he can sling the rock around. So – yeah, I mean, I think Carson yeah, Beck. I, I, I think that's what makes it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, and I think that's what makes, like, the Kirby Smarts and Nick Sabans of the world, you know, as good as they are, is they they evolve around the talent they have. I mean, Nick Saban is the greatest for that. You know, they, they evolve around the talent they have instead of just being stubborn and saying, hey, we are run dominant football team first. We, we got to do this. Or, you know, they evolve around on whoever's on their staff that year and whatever the roster provides. Yeah, I mean, I think Carson Beck is kind of an unsung hero because I'm not going to lie. I mean, before the season, I kind of thought he was a jag. Like, I thought he was just a guy, like, whatever. You know, Georgia's going to win because their defense is going to dominate. And, you know, Brock Bowers, you don't have to be – you don't have to be, you know, prime Peyton Manning to hit Brock Bowers – but no, I mean that's totally been the opposite. Like, I mean, if if Georgia, if you can say they have a weakness, I guess you could say the weakness would be run defense. You know, which is weird. That's you know, you don't have a now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, obviously you know the team better than I do. But when I look at Georgia's defense, especially the defensive line, I mean, there's no Jordan Davis there. I feel like the defensive, the front seven of Georgia's defense isn't as scary. Um, as it typically has. Now, granted, it's probably still better than 99% of the front sevens in the country, but I just feel like it's not on that Georgia you know, standard from a few years ago. Uh, but, yeah, it's just totally surprised me because, like you said, in the Kirby Smart era, you're used to teams that run the ball and play defense. And now the fact that, like, they've kind of relied on Carson Beck a little bit, it's just it's weird to see. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep on going on it, too. Um, so pretty much, guys, with the front seven, you know, it, it's been to Georgia standards, which I know we sound spoiled as all get out. But, like, when you see at the beginning of the year gashes for over 100 rushing yards and all this, we we, we were a little concerned. But we also knew going in the fact that, like, look, you, you don't have a Jalen Carter on the D-line anymore. Now, I love Nazir Stackhouse. I love all of them to death. And they've done – well beyond what they're capable of. But when you lose a Bear Alexander in the transfer portal and you lose all the guys to the Philadelphia Eagles, you, your rush defense is going to be a little bit less than it was the years before. But, you know, as a, as a casual fan looking at it, they, you know, people got a little frustrated with it. Um, with our linebackers, though, it, it helped tremendously. You know, Small Munden and Pop coming back was huge. Now, Pop's obviously uh, out and based on Holly Rose comments during the whole miss game, it looks like he's going to be out till about the playoffs is the timetable. 
And, you know, you lose a guy with that much experience, but on the flip side, our team speed just got 10 times better um, with the freshman coming in. I'm going blank right now. But, you know, with him coming in, it, it is absolutely huge. So he, he, he'll be a big uh, a big aspect to this game as well. Let me pull up his name. Just I don't know why I'm going blank on it. Uh, but, yeah, so overall, you know, it, it's a little bit different than usual, the, um, the way Georgia's winning. I mean, it helps when you got your returning All-American safety and Malik Starks. Javon Buller's back, moved back to safety. And then in the nickel position, you got Tyke Smith, which is, I mean, having a hell of a year. I don't know how he's not semifinalist for the Thorpe Award and all that, but, you know, it is what it is when it comes to that. Yeah, so I guess if you were an opposing coach and you you had to come up with a game plan to beat Georgia, what's your game plan? Oh, man, so – you know, I would say score fast, but every single team has scored the first drive, and I've even got money that Tennessee scores on the first drive just because it's easy money. Um, but you've, if you look back at statistics throughout the year, defensive-wise for Tennessee, if, if you're, you know, you're traditionally a cover three base zone, if we get y'all in zone consistently, it's not going to be pretty. Now, on the flip side, if you do man D and blitz like y'all love to, I think this game could be closer than a lot of people think. Um, Based on this year, the two teams that have run man defense and blitz consistently were South Carolina and Mizzou. South Carolina held us to 24 points. Missouri held us to 30. The two cover three base defenses we faced were Kentucky and Ole Miss. And we put up 52 and 51 in those games. So it's a huge difference. And, you know, Tennessee is going to have to do a hybrid. And they have before under Willie Martinez – if we can get y'all consistently to stay in zone and hit deep shots in man, it, it's not going to be pretty in that aspect. But if Tennessee finds a way to stay in man and win the one-on-ones on the outside, which they very well could, it, it, I think it'll be a lot closer ball game. Um, offensively, you know, it, it, the most confusing thing as an outsider looking in is if, if y'all real if Hypo finds out how to actually use Samson. That's it's a nightmare. Dude's dude's a stud. I mean, he's an Alva Kamara all over through and through. But even the same aspect of why the hell is this guy not playing? Like, well, why I mean, is he not? Exactly. I don't know if you remember, but we were asking the same thing about Kamara. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I, don't get me wrong. Um, what's his name's a stud too, right? Is that Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright's a stud too. But, man, you watch Samson play, and you're just like, dude, this, kid, this dude can do everything, and he would probably start at 10 out of the 14 SEC teams right now. So That's if they talk figure- about that all the time. Like, he could definitely transfer after this season and, and secure a starting job for a very, like, prominent school, you know? 100%. So the way to beat Georgia is going to have to, you know, you're going to have to establish the run game, and it's going to be tough. You're going to have to take your five-yard gains, three-yard gains, and stick with it because if you don't, it's going to turn out like Ole Miss. They, I don't know why they stopped running the ball, but the second Judd can stop touching the ball, that game got out of hand quickly. Um, and defense, you're just going to have to bend but don't break. If you hold UGA to field goals, you got a shot to win. You let them, you let them score in the red zone, eh, it, it could get could get ugly quick. Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, the the thing that I see in sidelines, you, you can tell me if this is a trend or not for the Georgia defense. When Missouri came into Athens, they consistently ran an outside zone and, and, and attacked the edge of, of y'all's front seven and had pretty decent success with it. Now, is, is that something that's an, an anomaly or, or has that been happening for most of the year? That's been, I mean, that's been the constant concern right now is the edge. Um, Auburn did it with, they did it in a different style. They did it more with Peyton Thorne um, yeah. in the read option. Um, Mizzou, dude, Schrader, Schrader's a stud, but man, it was frustrating because every single time they ran it to the outside zone, it was at least five yards. I mean, and uh, Florida tried it, but we all know how I feel about Florida. And if you don't, you know, I'll, I'll gladly share more. You know, they're just a poverty franchise. So they tried it, but they couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Kentucky, Benny Snell tried to. He, he was unsuccessful. And then Judkins had really success on it early in the game last week. And then I don't know why on earth Kiffin decided not to start, like not to continue to do it. But Kiffin does what Kiffin wants to do. Yeah, and I, 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 we, we touched on Samson for just a little bit there. I don't think it's any surprise that in the games we've lost, he's gotten zero touches against Florida, six touches against Alabama, and five touches against Missouri. That's inexcusable. Correct, yeah. What was it? Were we talking – it was Kentucky, right, the game where he just single-handedly took over in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it looked like he made himself a star and an undoubtedly huge part of the game plan going forward, and then we did the same bullshit we did on the other road games at Missouri. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a weird situation. I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, I know Jalen Wright is amazing, but, okay, he could out-snap Jabari Small. Like, yeah, like oh, sidelines, yeah. we, we use three running back. Well, we mostly use two because Samson Jabari doesn't. Jabari and <laughs> – yeah. Yeah. That's insane I, to me. I just I know it is weird. I've said it all season, you know, no offense to Jabari, but Samson is so much better than Jabari Small. But Hypo has his guys and you know, he plays them. Um the something you said though that that does concern me is you said, you know, typically we'll have to win one-to-one matchups in man. Uh mm-hmm. don't think that's going to happen. Uh I don't know if you've seen since Kamal Haddon, you know, mm-hmm. is out for the season. Our secondary, like some of the guys in our secondary, I don't think should be starting for Kent State. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Ryan, but, am I know, exaggerating? Or? I mean, it's it's another thing that it seems like Heupel fetishizes loyalty over who is actually the best player. I mean, you have all these experienced players in the secondary just because you're experienced – it doesn't mean that you're the best player to have on the field. Like, And most of the problem that we've been running into without Haddon is that we sit back in this soft zone and teams mm-hmm. dink and dunk it all over the field. And <clears throat> it, But if we go to man, Lad McConkey or whoever, we'll, we'll get over the top. So it's going to be a tough, tough proposition to slow down Georgia's passing attack no matter which route you take. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's – you know, Jalen McCullough, he, he has – I mean, he's he makes the flashy play. And same thing with Hayden or, Hayden or however y'all say it is. You know, I, I saw him always get dogged on on Vol Twitter and SEC Twitter. 
and rightfully so in most parts. And then all of a sudden he started to become a little bit of a lockdown corner. And then of course, unfortunately he got hurt, but um, yeah, McCullough is going to have to have a big day. And um, who's y'all's other slaughter slaughter's going to have to be big for y'all. Um, Cause if we, if we go, <laughs> which I know, which is tough, but if, Love it, and, Mc, and McConkie can do what they're usually doing, and you add Bowers into the effect. It, yeah, it's it's a tough matchup to go up to if you don't trust your DBs. Yeah, uh, Judy Lally, Slaughter, McCullough, even like it, it hadn't been pretty the last couple of weeks. Um, but you know, another thing that Tennessee at the beginning of the season received a lot of praise for was rushing the passer, and. That's disappeared. Yeah, it's just completely gone. I remember at the beginning of the season, everybody was praising Tim Banks. Like, oh, he put in work this offseason. Look what he's done to this D-line. Like, they're eating. They're eating. And then, like, what what have they done since A&M? <laughs> yeah, not much. Uh, and I think part of it for Tennessee, just, again, on an outside view, is, you know, they rush. They're not scared to bull rush p- past the point of contact. To where if a quarterback can run, you know, they, it's too late. Where you kind of get that uh, hedge or gap running or gap rush that UGA and Bama does to where they kind of just suffocate the quarterback in the pocket. I feel like yes. sometimes, you know, like Pierce and them kind of overrun it. And it's good if a quarterback's not paying attention. But if you got a more experienced quarterback, well, you know, if he gets yeah. out of pocket, then then it's back on your DBs to try and win you a ball game. Yeah, if you're five yards behind the quarterback trying to get to him, any quarterback exactly. with a pulse that, that has any type of legs is going to step up and get 10 yards minimum. I mean, it's – Exactly. Well, especially when, when you're playing a zone, if you don't collapse the cylinder and everybody's, you know, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, like that's an easy thing. You have to collapse the cylinder. You can't lose the contain on quarterbacks, and that killed us against Missouri. And Carson Beck is certainly capable of stepping up and running too, so – that's going to be another point of focus for Tennessee's defense. Yeah, I mean, that's what's concerning to me. Like, Georgia's not the team you want to be playing if you want to, if you're trying to get your pass rush back on track. Yeah. The, the, the hope is that the home crowd wills them into some sacks and the coverage holds up for a little bit because Tennessee's going to have to rush the passer to have a chance in this game, bottom line. Mm hmm. I do think being at Neyland matters. It does. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think it's gonna matter in the win loss department, but I do think it matters in terms of keeping it respectable. I just I I just don't see our guys getting blown out at home. I, at least I hope not. I mean that would be but yeah, yeah. The interesting thing, too, about it is, you know, Neyland is, again, arguably top three hardest places to play. Um, and But it's just – as weird as it sounds, I'm almost happier it's at Neyland this year than it is in Sanford. Because if, I, if it was at Sanford, I feel like this would be one of those just, okay, let's get things right heading into Bama or like, like slightly overlooking. Now, Kirby, obviously, being an alumni of Georgia, playing at Georgia, getting – destroyed by Peyton Manning throughout his years and his bloodlust for Tennessee, it, it kind of has a more focus. In the last three trips to uh, Rocky Top, they've put up 41, or minimum of 40. 
Um, and the other weird thing too is, you know, I, I know y'all don't play them as much as, you know, other guys, but at Auburn is a nightmare of a place to play, especially for Georgia. It's where dreams go to die. And the crazy stat out of that game, even with the score being what it was, was there was zero false starts. So that's, that's going to be the major factor I'm looking for is how loud can that stadium be off the bat? Can Tennessee get ahead early? And if we got a lot of those pre-snap penalties that we didn't have at a ruckus uh, Auburn stadium. That's a good point because, you know, it, w- it would be easy, I feel like, seeing Tennessee just got blown out by Mizzou. I think it would be easy for Georgia to overlook it. You know, it could be a trap game if it was at home. But that- that's a good point. Yeah, the the thing of I mean, there's been far worse Tennessee teams give Georgia games, whether it be in Neyland or in Athens. So I, I certainly don't think all hope is lost for Tennessee somehow pulling out a win, but it's it, it's a very tall task. I mean, like in 2013, in Butch Jones' first year, we gave uh, Aaron Murray and his dudes the the game of their life. I mean, they went to overtime and pick Howard fumble out of the end zone. And that was a horrible oh, thing. Yeah. That was a five and oh, yeah. 17. So I was uh, up top freezing my butt off. <laughs> I remember yeah. that one, but it, it's just like, it's like I said, far worse Tennessee teams have, have fared well against Georgia, even if they've lost the game. So I certainly can see this game coming down to the wire, but it's going to depend on how Tennessee does and how the crowd how much the crowd affects the game? So, Ryan, I've seen it quite a bit on Twitter and a couple of podcasts that I listened to mentioned it. Do you think Tennessee's on quit watch? Uh, if you have a horrible coach, they are. But, but I, don't, don't. I don't believe that. Okay, I don't either. But some national media people uh, seem to think that Tennessee's mailing it in for the rest of the season, which I think is ridiculous because yeah. we've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum. How many teams, how many teams would kill to have an eight and four season? A lot. Yeah. And I mean, you say that, that, that that's by no means the the goal for any of these for any Tennessee team, but you know, the reality is eight and four in the last 15 years is one of your better seasons. Exactly. Well, I mean, and not not beating, like not meeting your goal, you know, it it's not really necessarily about that anymore. I mean, it's it's about just having a decent season, and you have to be objective about it. Sometime, like I'm pretty sure Arkansas, Vandy, even Auburn would would be thrilled with eight and four. Yeah, yeah. The thing right. about Florida, yeah. yeah, I mean, Florida might not make a bowl. I hope they don't. It'd be three years in a row of poverty down there. <laughs> yeah. The the thing about the, the this game is that if you have any pride in the orange jersey in Tennessee at all, you give Georgia a fight. If you don't, you give up and mail in the season. And that would be a huge red flag for, for however Heifel's tenure plays out. So I really hope that the team – show some kind of effort. I, I do not buy into the quit watch thing at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think sidelines, you'd probably even agree. I don't, I don't, I hope, I think you're, you'd probably hope Tennessee's not quitting. Like I'm sure you want it to be a good game. 
Yeah, I mean, well, heck, I'd love a blowout, but I, that's absurd to think Tennessee is just going to go quit. And, you know, that that's what's the most frustrating, you know, with us all being SEC guys, we, we get it, the week-to-week grind and all this. But the national media always just kind of undervalues two things. They always undervalue, like, the rivalries in the SEC and playing at home. And they kind of always undervalue the, oh, well, they're eight and three. They don't care anymore. Like that, that's a load. <laughs> these, these fan bases down here and these org- programs and universities are too passionate to just throw it in. You know, there's still a lot on the line, even if it's, you know, you could sneak your way back into New York six bowl with a win this weekend and a win, a good showing at Vanderbilt and chaos happens. And that's an extra five to 10 million in your budget for next year and NIL and all that. So I, yeah. I, don't I don't count the whole throwing it in for any SEC team, maybe Arkansas. Well, else, I don't plus these guys are competing like to play at the next level. I mean, mm-hmm. how bad would that look if I mean if you're obviously like Caleb Williams? I mean, nobody's gonna care if you're gonna be a first round pick anyway. But for most of these players, if the NFL is looking at them, how do you think they're gonna feel when they see oh that guy's obviously quit? Exactly, and, and you know and. What NFL? What two games are NFL scouts going to turn on for Tennessee guys being uh, being scouted? They're going to turn on the Bama film, and they're going to turn on the Georgia film. Like it's just they want to see what you look like against other draftable guys. So I, I don't. If anyone's sandbagging this game, that's that's sad on their part and probably a poor decision for their future. That's a terrific point, Southlines. I mean, the Alabama game last year got got Darnell Wright drafted top ten. It got Jalen Hyatt drafted, like. This game matters, and it's. I alluded to it a few minutes ago. If you have any pride at all, you play this game because there's a lot of potential help visiting that's going to be sitting under the goalpost in north in, in the north end zone. You have yeah. you're going to have Jordan Seaton sitting there. You're going to have Kamari uh, Copeland sitting there, a, a JUCO target. You're going to have a, tons of unofficial visitors. What would it tell them if you go out there and mail it in? And what would it tell them about the coaching staff that they're being recruited by? You, you you have to 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 show some kind of effort, so that's yeah. All right, I agree. Let's uh, we're about that time now. If everybody wants to give a brief summary and prediction for the game, Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah. So my motto, if, if I was Josh Heifel for this week, would be two words: fuck it. Uh, going fourth down, blitz, be aggressive on defense, take deep shots, trick plays. On wait a second, wait a second. Are you are you saying that we should play Beamer ball? No, I'm not saying <laughs> we should play Beamer ball. I'm saying a hint of Beamer ball. But like it, it's like we we've already said it. I I I said it to start this thing. You know, you're not really playing for anything past the the final you know, past these last two games in the ball game, but you still have a chance to say something. So, and you have nothing to lose besides the game, which you're probably going to lose anyway. So just play balls to the wall, do whatever you can to win and give yourself an edge and try to ride the home crowd to win. Attack the edge, like sideline said, might be one of the weaknesses of Georgia. Take the deep shots, do anything you can. Now, at the end of the day, I think Georgia has better athletes and I think the balls are going to come up short by probably 13 to 17 points. So I'm, I'm going to say Georgia 
Georgia 38, Vols 21. Sidelines? Yeah, main main thing for us is, you know, make sure you show up. Make sure the fans go home a little bit earlier than what you want. They'll make this be a last-second game or it's going to be a nightmare. Um, you know, and just start – keep firing in all cylinders. That's That's the main thing for us. I want to see how we handle a little bit bigger situation with not such a big national media game. We've played two in a row. You heard since Florida the oh Georgia's got this gauntlet now and what what is Georgia gonna do? Well, we we took care of business in the first two, but those first two were also at home. Let's see how we handle it a road. And like most Tennessee fans said, this is honestly the second true road test we have this year. We have Auburn, and that was back in September. So let's see let's see how they do when Sanford's not behind them and there's ninety thousand people hoping they do good. Instead, you got a hundred one thousand hoping you fail and quite frankly don't get back on the bus. Um, so that's that's my main intriguing thing. And second of all, um, just pray we stay healthy. Every time Georgia goes up there, someone major tears an ACL or a knee blown or ankle rolled. So just please like somehow find a way to stay healthy going through that because we need all hands on deck when Bama comes to Atlanta in uh, two weeks and, you know, score prediction wise, I'm very similar. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I really don't. I think it's going to be a 34 20 type game. Um, dogs will win, but I, I don't see it being a comfortable win. I think Tennessee, like you said, is going to throw everything on deck. They have, Quite frankly, in their mind, nothing to lose, like y'all said. So you're going to see Tennessee put up some points. I don't know whether it's going to be like a late touchdown or not, but I think 34-20 is around the area that I'm I'm confident in saying the score will be at the end. Yeah, I mean, we're all pretty close. Um, I think, you know, Tennessee will probably start out hot. I think, you, you know, like you alluded to earlier, you might even see Tennessee get a first, you know, first possession touchdown. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. There's been a couple times this year where Georgia's had slow first halves and then they immediately, you know, turn it on in the second. And wouldn't surprise me if that was the case Saturday. Uh, I think, you know, Tennessee will come out with all that crowd energy and, you know, might keep it a game for the first half. Probably similar. Basically what I'm saying is similar to the Alabama game for us where, you know, we – dominate the first half and then Saban makes adjustments. Hypo doesn't, and we get blown out in the second half. I think in the second half of this game, it's going to become apparent, you know, like Lane Kiffin said, got to, got to coach better, got to recruit better. We don't have the depth that Georgia does. We're, we're not able to rotate in five stars off the bench like Georgia. I think um, it'll just become apparent that, we don't have the horses this year and Georgia will probably pull away. I'm going to say about 44 to 20 is, is what I'm thinking. I think in the first half, it would not surprise me if it was like 17, 10 Tennessee. And then Georgia just completely dominates the second half. Cause that just seems like that's how Georgia plays right now. And that's how Tennessee plays right now. So yeah, that's about what I'm going with. I can see, yeah, I can see any any three of those. I can in that range of twenty to twenty seven points is where I think Tennessee's gonna um, sit, which is around average for them. I think at home y'all are around like thirty thirty five, thirty two. So, yeah, I mean, 
It would be disappointing, obviously. And, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. I think it would be our Super Bowl if we won this game, especially considering we have nothing else to play for right now. So, being the ones to – when's the last time Georgia lost? Like two years ago? Uh, it was Bama in the SEC championship was the last loss. Last regular season loss was to Florida, unfortunately, in 2020. Yeah, see, so being the first team to beat – <laughs> to beat Georgia in the regular season in three years would be pretty cool. That would be huge. Huge. Yeah. But I, I yeah. think that's that that's a really good point, Bryce. This is obviously gonna be Tennessee's biggest game left this season, so that could definitely factor in. Yeah, I mean that that is a thing, you know. It it is Tennessee Super Bowl. I mean, there's you know, we're not gonna be going to Atlanta. We're not gonna be going to wherever for the college football playoff. So, I mean, this is the Super Bowl. So, whatever they have, you, you should see it this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, sidelines, what are you most worried about uh, from here on out? So, you know, obviously you're not too worried about Tennessee, but there's potential for a screw-up, but all three of us think you'll get through it. And then you'll bludgeon Georgia Tech. <laughs> Don't get me started on tech. A little redheaded stepchild of the state. Yeah. So I mean, is there any is there anything remaining on your schedule that I mean, obviously Atlanta, I'm sure you're not I'm sure you don't think Atlanta will be a cakewalk. No, God, no. I see, I'm with y'all in this and I, I even buy a cigar with my volunteer friend every time y'all play Bama. I can't I can't stand them. I can't stand their fans, but damn, they're so good. Even when you want to write them off, they just turn around and now they're the hottest team. And all that. And Jalen Monroe is literally the definition of Georgia's weakness right now. You know, he, he slings it deep. And then he can also run for 80 yards and have 400 yards rushing by the end of the game. So my biggest fear right now is Jalen Monroe single-handedly. And then college football playoff-wise, I would say, you know, the team I really wouldn't want to run into right now would be, you know, Oregon. You know, what's going on in the Big Ten I'm, doesn't really phase me. Um, Michigan, they, they threw the ball for 60 yards last week. You can't do that against Georgia. Um, Florida state's got talent, but again, I don't know. I don't really know what Florida state is. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they looked phenomenal, but we found out LSU's defense is (laughs) Helen Keller on steroids and, you know, Clemson's turned out not to be the Clemson we all know and enjoy. So Dabo's got his own issues down there. So really guys, it's, if you can find a way to not stub your toe and kneel in this weekend and find a way to beat the goat again in Atlanta, which we haven't done since Saban's been there. And we were over against Bama in the SEC championship game since Saban's taken over and, you know, stay healthy. Those are my three biggest concerns and they all align around the Crimson Tide, which has always been our kryptonite throughout all Kirby's era. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned something there, sidelines. How sweet was it for your first championship in forty years for it to come over Alabama? Uh, So I was thankful enough to be there, and despite it being ten degrees outside with a wind chill of negative five, I stayed out and drank till about three thirty a.m. the next morning, and I made sure to let every Alabama fan know that you know. 
the dogs are on top and everything. So it shed a couple tears as uh, I'm not afraid to admit, but that was definitely one of the, the best nights by far of my uh, Georgia fandom growing up and everything. So well, I would love true. nothing more to beat them again, but I don't think anything will top that. And, you know, TCU last year wasn't anything remotely as emotional as that. So just the roller coaster finally beating him. And, you know, it, even in that game, Stetson had a fumble with like five minutes left in the uh, – or 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you're like, oh, no, here we go again. We're going to blow a lead again. Bama's going to find some rabbit out of a hat and pull it off. But so it was definitely an emotional but amazing night for us. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I hyperventilated when we beat them in the regular season. So <laughs> I, that, that was fun too to did watch. You cry like, you, did you cry like Butch Jones? Me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Cylons, who's your NFL team? As, so as weird as it sounds, mine is the Jaguars. I'm not a Falcons fan. Um, and the reasoning behind it is a weird story. So my elementary school years, I still lived up in Philadelphia. And up there is not college football. I mean, you got Penn State, but that's, you know, mediocre at best now. So I was always heckled and whatnot because I would always wear my Georgia stuff and they would always say, well, who's your NFL team? You know, you got to have an NFL team. So growing up, I picked Jacksonville because they were just terrible. I knew none of my friends were going to ask me how they did or if I watched the game or not. So I always said Duval and with Georgia playing in Jacksonville every year, I got myself a Reebok uh, custom Jaguars jersey from 2004 and rocked it from then. And now they're actually kind of good. So I turn it on and. They got a couple dogs on the team, so I watched them as well. But Oh, that's great. So we're double rivals then because we're obviously Titans fans. Titans fans, yep. Yeah. Oh, God. So our life is just great right now. We're we, we just living the high life. Yeah. See, I don't try. I To be honest with you guys, I mean, I turn on Red Zone, and I'll, I'll watch it for fantasy reasons, but I'm not, like, mad or upset or anything like that of the Jaguars. lose or anything so i I mostly follow just for fantasy so you know this this is like blasphemous but i've always told ryan this like as long as we've known each other i've always told him the jaguars have the best uniforms in the league save save for that couple years where they wore the like diarrhea jerseys (laughs) like you know ever since then the jacksonville's jerseys now like this season are fantastic but so. I love them. I, I, I rep my uh, Garden Minshew jersey still. So <laughs> Best I back refuse to buy lead. another one. Yep. Refuse to buy another one because Jacksonville always seems to get rid of their best player eventually. So maybe Titans will turn with that. But Garden Minshew is my man until I decide to buy another one in a couple years. <laughs> well, all right. That about does it. Anybody got any final thoughts they want to talk about uh, Tennessee, Georgia this weekend? Yeah. Uh, do what? Go for it. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you one more thing, sidelines. So this coat's been flying around all week from Tate Rutledge. I don't know when he said it, but he said Neyland is better than Sanford in a roundabout way. Did he actually say that, and when did he say that? <laughs> yes, and I even talked with this with a normal Vol fan at the beginning of the year. This was a uh, podcast, the Players' Lounge, he did um, at the very beginning of the year. He brought it up, and, you know, he, he – he, Georgia fans got mad at him at the beginning, but you got to understand this dad, his family is diehard Tennessee. I mean, he, he wanted to go to Tennessee. His dad still has a power T on his truck. 
Like he, he grew up going to Neyland instead of Sanford. And, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say he's not wrong. I mean, Tennessee, you have 102 or 101,000 people screaming at you when y'all are on and y'all are good. It, it's electric. I mean, the light show y'all got, the fireworks, you got the river right behind you, which is unique to y'all and the Tennessee River boat, as much Tennessee and Georgia fans are arguing over right now. And, you know, it's just a cool atmosphere. And when Tennessee's good, it's really tough to win there. And it's a fun atmosphere to go to. Um, I've gone to Tennessee games with Georgia not even playing in it, you know, and it's just to go to the atmosphere and check it out with some of my buddies that are Tennessee fans. So it's a fun place to play. And, you know, Georgia fans took it a little slightly, but at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of got a point. So that's yeah, what it is. I definitely don't disagree with them. And Bryce, why don't you tell sidelines what you think about Sanford Stadium? <laughs> oh, boy. No, I just think I, I've said this for years. It, it just doesn't seem intimidating as a stadium to me. Now, granted, never been there. But I feel like with Neyland, with, you know, Death Valley, LSU, and the Swamp, I feel like – those three in particular have a ton of character and they have like an intimidation factor where even if the team isn't good, it's the venue is intimidating with Sanford. I don't really, it just seems underwhelming to me for how good y'all are. And that's the thing too. And again, you know, I, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, I love Sanford. I grew up there. Um, we go through like an identity crisis as fans, you know, it's through the Mark Rick years. It was, Oh, well, here we go. Nine and three, 10 and two. And now that Kirby's kind of bringing this new energy and whatnot, you started to see more of a pickup and you started to see the renovations happen and all that. But even if you check the Twitter feed two weeks ago against Missouri, I, I was there. I'm a season ticket holder and been going to games since 2003, you know, it, even against Mizzou, it's a top 12 matchup. And it was just, people were sitting down and it was quiet and it was just never ruckus. And it, that's what I think holds back Sanford compared to the others is we still have kind of an older fan base to where it's more team crumpets and, yeah. you know, you, you can get loud, but then on the flip side, you get a game like Tennessee last year. And it's like, well, where the hell has this been? Like everyone's screaming, everyone's not leaving during the pouring rain. And then like the same thing against Ole Miss last week. It's like, if you do this every single week, no one's going to think Sanford's a library. Like you, But you've got to stay consistent with it. And I think that's where the stadiums like Neyland and Death Valley and Jordan-Hare get their props. Is it doesn't matter if they're playing New Mexico State or UConn. They're still going to give you living hell like you're playing Bama. Like it, it's just consistent. So I, the biggest word around that is just consistency with Georgia. And I think we're getting there. But it's also very tough when – you know, you have the high expectations, and when you're not winning by 30, you're pissed. Like, it's it's yeah. tough. Bama's, Bama's going through the same thing. Bama could be one of the toughest places to play every year if their fans actually, you know, cared more than just covering a spread. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I feel like a lot of times Bama isn't as intimidating as you'd think it would be. Like, it's not as loud as you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've been down to Alabama, if, and it was in 2019 – and we gave them somewhat of a game until the fourth quarter. Like, if, if Alabama doesn't roll immediately, and it seems like like Sanford might be this way too, like everybody's sitting on their hands nervous. And, yep. you know, so 
I, th I think that's just a a byproduct of being spoiled by such good performance. So it's oh, yeah. it's, it's it's a give and take. <laughs> at least they're not yeah. like. At least Georgia fans aren't like Kentucky fans, and you all flock after half. Y'all, you know, after halftime, the stadium's empty. Yeah, we we stay through it. Now some might be quiet, but we I I got pneumonia at least twice throughout the past my college careers there, <laughs> just because I mean. Kentucky comes to mind 2019. It was like 32 degrees and pouring rain. But damn, I was front row of the student section. I sure as hell wasn't leaving. So I, I cost it cost me at the end, but I can say I did my part. But you know, that's the thing right now is just consistency and, and at least they stay, like y'all said, and we'll see. I mean, when you look at our schedules half the time, our home slate at the beginning of the year, it doesn't look good and people get disgruntled. And then you all of a sudden have a top 12 Mizzou team walk in and then you aren't the loudest stadium in the country is kind of frustrating to other fans. So yeah. but how annoying it against Ole Miss. <laughs> so sorry, man. Um, no, you're good. How annoying is it that y'all never get to play Florida at home? Uh, honestly, this is where half of our fan base is cut in half. You know, it, it's just – I love Jacksonville. Like, I love going down there. It's so fun for us because it's our fall break as a student. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a time that you can just – I mean, I was I was drinking Jack at 9.30 a.m. just getting after it. But, you know, the home-and-home home thing with Florida, it's just one of those unique things. And I even talked to, like, an Oklahoma and Texas guy about it was, well, like, yes, it'd be cool to have it home, but just the specialty and the uteness of Georgia-Florida being in Jacksonville makes it unique. And then they also tried it, and the reason why it stays in Jacksonville and also the reason why it's never a night game is we just don't like each other. Like, we really don't. Like, I see, I see it all the time of, like, oh, it's not that big of a rivalry, but, like, Every single time we're there, it, there's constant fights. I mean, constant fights throughout the years. And when Florida came up to Athens with Spurrier, it was the most destroyed the campus has been. And, you know, Georgia returned the favor when we went to Gainesville, and we did vandalized and all that too. So it's just well, a safer <laughs> safer way to go to Jacksonville. There's half of us, half of them. At least it's equal numbers when we all brawl out in the parking lot. Florida gotcha. is – Florida fans are, are trash. They're they're, they're white terrible. trash. They're uh, terrible. I think it's probably fair to say. I think all three of us can agree on this. We all root for each other when we're playing Florida. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, shoot. I even had a Tennessee jersey growing up when they played Florida. I, I bought every single SEC jersey growing up, and every time they played Florida, I'd go hang out with my Florida fan and I'd wear that jersey. Well, I tell Ryan all the time, like. I would rather Georgia and Bama, and I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but I would rather Georgia and Bama just keep dominating shit every year than somebody that's not us win it, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, it, it's a lot more easy for me to accept that Georgia's just going to kick our ass every year than, like, Florida all of a sudden getting good and lucking their way into a championship. Like, that would piss me off. But, like, oh, okay, yeah. Georgia and Bama are just another level. Like, okay, whatever, I can accept that. Yeah, yeah, um, and that and that's the thing, too. I told Normal Volcan, too, at the beginning of the year, like, I know Twitter's a different world than what everyone else lives in, but, like, Georgia and Tennessee aren't top three rivals to each other. I mean, we might be to y'all, but, like, for us, it's y'all are maybe fifth. 
So, like, Twitter's different. Georgia Twitter and Tennessee Twitter are number one rivals. Like, they, they go ham. I see it all the time. I'm involved in it half the time and whatnot. But, like, traditional-wise and whatnot, with Georgia having Florida, Auburn, and Tech, and then you mix in at South Carolina or uh, Clemson even, and then Tennessee, y'all have hatred towards Kentucky, Bama, I, I guess Vanderbilt. Yeah. And, you know, like South Carolina is starting to become one, I think. And if Drinkwitz keeps if Drinkwitz keeps running his mouth, that's going to become a rivalry sooner than later. And, you know, it's just like it, it's a good SEC matchup, but it's not the hatred that the nation wants it to be. Like they think, oh, Tennessee, Georgia absolutely hate each other. Well, we don't like losing to each other, no, but – you know, at the end of the day, if I turn on a Tennessee-Bama game, I'm not rooting for Bama, I can tell you that. And I'm not rooting for Florida, and I'm definitely not rooting if y'all play Auburn or Tech. So, so I, did a poll. I did a poll at the beginning of the season, and I asked Vol fans what team they hated the most. And the I, I did Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and then other, and mm-hmm. Florida won, so – yeah, I love that y'all hate Florida. It gives me a chance to uh, bond with a lot of Tennessee friends that I have, the hatred of them. So, Well, Sidelines, uh, tell everybody where to find you. Right now, I just run this Twitter page, so you can follow me at SSN underscore UGA. Um, I'm trying to build the brand a little bit more and create an Instagram page and whatnot, but um, I'm – a little bit under a year of running this account, so I'm trying to build it up slowly, get the followers back up and all that, and then hopefully take off from there. Yeah, well, if you, uh, you know, get a, any other social media or any other things you want to pimp, just uh, maybe we can get you back on during basketball season. Oh, God. The, the, the no season for Georgia fans? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do my best. I got a ton of free time from January till August. So, well, that's, you know, it's only fair because you know you're going to kick our ass this weekend. So you got to come on when we beat Georgia by forty in basketball. I definitely will. I'll start studying basketball. I don't think I've watched it in a hot minute. So, yeah, Bryce, you have to understand. Georgia fans sold their soul three years ago, and they've given up any success in, in any other. <laughs> It's yeah. worth it, though. Yeah, nope. I imagine it I, is. I'll <laughs> gladly take it to my grave. Our basketball team can do whatever they want to as long as Kirby keeps bringing the title home. Yeah. Mike, right, White. Mike White is not it. <laughs> <laughs> if he takes us anywhere, if he takes us higher than six wins, he's doing something better than <laughs> six. Previous. Danny White's little brother. That's funny. All right, Ryan, you know what time it is. Go balls. Go balls, baby. All right, guys. Y'all take care this weekend. Hopefully, everyone.